today is Friday, May 4th, uh, 2018, and this is the Fiction Olds and New Book Group, and tonight we're discussing J. Courtney Sullivan's novel, uh, Saints for All Occasions. So I'm going to just give you a little information about the author. Um, J. Courtney Sullivan grew up in an Irish Catholic family living outside of Boston, um, in her family, uh, many of the women use their middle names uh, instead of their first names. So she's actually known as Courtney, but I, I actually don't know what J stands for, but she's known as Courtney. And uh, now she lives in Car- the Carroll Gardens section of Brooklyn. Um, she graduated from Smith College in 2003. Her major was Victorian literature. And at college, she won several writing prizes. Then she moved to New York City, and she first worked at Allure magazine, and then she worked for the New York Times. Her first novel was Commencement, which was published in 2010, and it dealt with the experiences of four women who attended Smith College, which is where she went to college. And she got a lot of praise for this novel, including uh, from Gloria Steinem, who actually did attend Smith College. Um, She's, she's J. Courtney Sullivan. She identifies herself as a feminist, and she also co-authored an essay collection called Click, When We Knew We Were Feminist. Uh, her second novel is Maine, which was published in 2011, and it dealt with um, several women in a multi-generational story, I think of an Irish Catholic family who spend the summer in Maine. And it was named one of the top ten fiction books of the year by Time magazine. Her third novel, uh, which is the only one for some reason that's not on Bard, um, is The Engagements. And it came out in 2013. And then tonight's novel, Saints for All Occasions, came out in 2017. And this was the praise from Ron Charles of the Washington Post. He called Saints for All Occasions this year's best book about family. Sullivan draws us into the lives of the Rafferty's and in that rare miracle of fiction makes us care about them like they were our own family. And I have to say, I agree with him. Um, So why don't we see what everybody thought of this book? Well, I'll go first and I might have to say I disagree with him because I did not like this family in the least. And I I was not interested in in reading a 15-hour book uh, about a dysfunctional Irish family, especially when... uh, I dislike Nora as strongly as I did, so uh, 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 maybe it's a, well, I don't know what kind of thing it is. Maybe it's an Allen thing, but uh, uh, I, I just, I, I mean, I read the whole book, and I got through it all, but I, I just didn't like any of these people. I mean, I did. I liked Bridget pretty good, and I liked uh, Teresa pretty good, but uh, I, I never really quite understood the whole estrangement issue, and uh, uh, and Teresa, they they really didn't. They really didn't get into her a whole lot, uh, and and I'm also wondering why the book was titled Saints for All Occasions, because I think there was one little blurb about saints, but uh, it didn't really seem to fit. But hey, uh, you, you've got my opinion, and, and I'll, I'll be the counterpoint tonight if all you other folks thought this was great, because I, I didn't. At the risk of being called the male chauvinist pig, which I've been called occasionally, I really got to say, in all honesty, that I didn't like it either. And I, I come from a Catholic background. Saints for all occasions to me meant the Catholics have a saint for everything. I mean, I lost my 
stream the other day. I said, St. Anthony's, please help me. My God, I got to find it. And I did, so I'll give him the credit. You know, not me. I don't know where it was. But um, 15 hours, great great character development. I mean, you really know about the characters. I, I didn't like Patrick. Okay, I'm supposed to, I guess. I didn't. Uh, Nora was awful. Nora was, was what I want to know from you guys that are much better readers than I am. I understand um, Nora was angry at Sister Cecilia Teresa. Now, let me see if I'm saying this right. She she was angry for 50 years. Okay. And I, I want to know why. She got Patrick. She got, she had, uh, okay, she married a guy that she didn't love. That was her choice. You know, and Charlie wasn't that bad. He was a good father to those kids. And uh, Teresa um, was angry. Why was she angry when the baby was handed to to a, um, a family member? It wasn't handed to a stranger, a Catholic couple that would sweep Patrick away um, and, and sweep him away and say you should never see him again. So um, real quick, I like Bridget. I think she, I can understand why she waited so long to tell her mom she was gay. That happens in Catholic families. You know, my cousin waited till my, um, his mom died and then came out with, meet my husband, Bob, you know, and he was a guy. Okay. You know, but he would never do it when she was alive. He wouldn't do that. Um, Bridget was uh, good. I like Natalie. Natalie was for real, wanted to have a baby and all that stuff. Uh, John, oh my God, John, I, I, I didn't like him very well. Uh, and uh, Maeve um, was pretty cool, regular teenager. So, um, you know, you guys can blast me or whatever. I'm ready for it. <laughs> well, listening to the guys talking, I'm wondering if perhaps it was more of a woman's book then because I quite enjoyed it. Um, the writing style reminded me a lot of Anne Tyler, who I quite like as well, that dysfunctional family kind of thing. Maybe it's because we like a bit of gossip more. But um, I do agree um, with Alan and Bob that there weren't very many nice characters in it. I mean, Nora was, I thought she was an appalling character, and Teresa. Um, the only person I really liked in it was Bridget, really, and Charlie. But, um, no, I, I really enjoyed it, um, and I liked all the... But, but then I, I like books about um, the intricacies of families. There were, there were two bits I didn't like about it. I, I thought the ending was a little bit weak. Um, I would have liked a bit a bit more of the ending. And also, I didn't think the bit worked where Nora took the family back to Ireland um, when they were younger, and the whole time they were there, nobody mentioned about the sister. I just don't think that was credible, because, the t you know, the two of them left together. Um, I mean, I know somebody said Teresa, and they didn't mention that she was the auntie, but the rest of the family I can't believe that they wouldn't have mentioned the, the sister, they wouldn't have said to the kids well how's your auntie, or have you met your auntie or something, so that bit didn't work for me, but for the rest of it yes I did, I enjoyed it very much Well I, I have to say that I thought this book was fantastic <laughs> it was one of my favorite books that I've read so far this year, um, this was not my pick this was actually Sherry's pick and I started reading the book, and I thought it was a little disjointed because it would have one chapter on John and one chapter on Patrick and one chapter on Bridget. And I just thought, oh, no, it's going to be one of these books that, you know, goes all over the place. But then it flashed back 
to when Nora and Teresa were younger, when they were coming over and everything that happened. And at that point, I got amazingly pulled into the story, and I stayed there the whole way through. And I just thought this family was like alive and breathing and they just seemed like real people to me with real troubles and real you know tension between each other and yes there was tension between the siblings there was tension between the the sisters there was tension between wife and husband that seemed really real to me um i thought that of course when you have a baby and you give up your baby to somebody else, even though it's your sister, of course it's going to be a crazy kind of a situation. In certain ways, I I actually thought she might have been better off not giving it to her sister and maybe giving it to somebody else because you're going to spend your whole life, even though you can watch the baby and know that the baby is, is loved, there's always that kind of tension. I mean, this was your baby out of your body and your sister is raising it, and it's a big secret. It's not like it's an open adoption. It was a closed adoption, and everybody wasn't supposed to know about it. So I thought it was very realistic that there would be tension between the sisters, particularly about this, even though I thought that Nora sacrificed herself, which was admirable, and married Charlie, who I don't think she started out loving, um, for the sake of, of adopting Patrick, because she said to him, I will only you know, marry you upon this one condition, which they didn't exactly say, but we all knew what the condition was. Um, the end of the story I liked only in the sense that I really wanted these two sisters to, to finally make peace with each other and get along. So maybe it was a little pat, you know, she went to the hotel room or whatever, but I was happy. I was like, enough with the tension already. Let's have, you know, some, some reconciliation. Um, so I, I actually thought it was a, a fantastic, fantastic book. Um, the characters just really came to life for me. And one question that I hope somebody will answer later for me, which I thought about, was I, I thought that Nora married Charlie and she didn't really love him. She just married him. He was a nice guy and he was gonna, they were going to you know, adopt the baby together. But I wondered if people think that it's possible to grow to love somebody Um, because, you know, a lot of times people, they fall in love and, you know, is falling in love just sort of a physical thing or is it, is it, is that the predominant feature of it or do you, can you have a relationship where it starts out that you care about each other, but you sort of grow over time? So I thought that was another kind of interesting element that, that she put into the story. Hi. Um, to answer uh, Michelle's question, I know many couples. Being Muslim, a lot of our our, our marriage facilitated more is, is more appropriate. It's not like you you know you meet the person for the first time the day you marry them, but they're facilitated between families based on what the families think are going to make a good match. And sometimes it doesn't work out, but more often than not, it really does. And, and over time, and as you build a life together, the love does come. And, you know, how many people can say, when you got married, it's more of a lust thing? <laughs> that, that deep abiding love that, that kind of withstands all of the nonsense that life has to throw at you, that really comes with time and with trials and, and with being able to kind of move beyond them. So, yeah, I think it's totally possible. Um, as for the book, 
I think it was okay. I think it was I think it was pretty real if you could take into consideration um, the time period, the late fifties and sixties, girls were kind of sent away to aunties or camp or something like that when they were um, unexpectedly pregnant. Um, I think Nora I think Nora had a hard life. I mean, she was uh, lost her mother very young, and she had to kind of raise her her sister. And she didn't want to leave home, um, but she left home because of Charlie. You know, he sent for her, um, and I think she she just kind of was put into that role, not choosing it for herself, but of the oldest female, you know, kind of being the mom and going over there to to give. Um, I'm sorry, Teresa, you know, a, a better chance in the States than she would have had at home. Um, I, it was a pleasant enough story. I mean, it wasn't my favorite book of all time, but it wasn't my least favorite either. Um, I think it was, you know, well-written, and I liked the story. I, I loved the diversity in this family, um, that, you know, we had a gay person, we had an alcoholic person, we had a... A, a guy who was really, you know, uh, in John, kind of like the social climber. We had Charlie, who, uh, you know, we just had a lot of interesting characters that, um, you know, I found pretty real. Um, I think for me, the the interesting part was the whole way Teresa joined the convent. It, it seemed, it, it really seemed like she was running away from something. Um, and my, I thought, I thought that when she had the baby, Nora was the one that basically made all the decisions. They made the decision that she was going to go to the 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 convent until she had the baby, and they made the decision that they were going to adopt the baby, and they didn't inform her about this until it was already done. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not as hard on Teresa. She was a young girl, and she was totally duped by Walter. No, what was that? That was his name, Walter. The guy, you know. Um, so she was a total innocent, and he took total advantage of that. And I think she just found herself with a lot of decisions being made about her life um, that she didn't really get to be a part of. So well, that's my take on it. I'd have to totally agree with what Liz said. Um, I had a Muslim friend who was in one of the fac- those facilitated marriages, and he told me something that I've never forgotten. He said that when we get married, we know we're going to have to work at it. And he said a lot of people in America that he's seen go into it thinking everything's going to magically be happy because you're in love. And his marriage, he knew he, he and his wife would have to work at it. And I think that's a really good point. As far as Nora goes, I didn't like her much either. But I did make a note of something that I thought was really kind of neat about her. And that's um, uh, one of the boys, I forget which one, commented that when he was a kid and there was bad weather, she used to stay up with him in the morning and they'd anxiously listen to the radio to see if school got canceled. And if it did, then they'd have some kind of treat. And I thought that really added some humanity to her. And like Liz said, she was kind of put in a position, she didn't really have a, I mean, yeah, she could have said no to Charlie, but I think she did what she was expected to do. That was the kind of person she was. She was expected to take her mother's part. She was expected to take Teresa's baby. That's what was done then. Certainly, Teresa could never have kept the baby herself. That was just unheard of at that time. And she did what was expected of her, and it's kind of sad. And I think she, I didn't like Patrick at all. He was my least favorite character. I think he was kind of spoiled. 
because she was kind of making up for the fact that she um, had him and it wasn't really her child. I, I'm not sure what. And it seems like later in the book, she and Charlie were kind of closer than they were at the beginning of the book, which was nice because Charlie was a nice guy. Okay, I'll be real quick because I want to hear Randy. Uh, I don't remember Michelle's question, but you haven't answered mine. Why was Nora angry? She won. She got Patrick. He was the fair-haired child throughout this thing, over Bridget and all of them. You know, John, yeah, oh, God, what a phony. Um, and, uh, and Brian was the baby. You know, Brian was the baby, but Patrick got anything he wanted. Why is she angry? She, I mean, she won. I think she was angry because she, Patrick was her favourite and he wasn't hers. I think that's why why she was so angry. Um, and that, you know, even though her marriage turned out, she didn't get a pick. I think she felt she was shoveled into a lot of things. But I like the relationship between Nora and Charlie as well, and I was glad it would have been must have been quite tempting for her to make that a relationship that didn't work. But and I think when you've lived with someone for a long time, you're not the same people anyways when you when you first got together. I mean, I, I've been with my my partner over thirty years, and we're certainly not anything like we were when we first got together. But um, my I was really interested in the nuns. Um, part really because and a lot of them seemed to be damaged people there that were hiding away and um, I was interested in that because I went to a convent school that was run by nuns it was a boarding school and they were a bitter and twisted lot of women that were there um, they were, a lot of them were very damaged I, I don't know by what in life but they, they had gone there to hide from life and they were wicked really wicked women very unpleasant and cruel, very cruel. Um, so I was quite interested in, in her take on that. Yeah, you know, I listened to some interviews with the author, and her experiences interviewing nuns was very different than what I thought it was going to be because my uh, my understanding was more what Shell was saying, that, that people would go to school and they would be taught by nuns and that would be their experiences, but her experience was different her, she has a family friend who was a, a nun somewhere in, in New England, and this particular uh, convent seems to take women who had been very accomplished in the world, and then they they decide that they want to, whether they have a religious conversion or whatever their motivations are. So they're not really taking people who are 17 and 18. They're taking people who are older, um, I knew of the story about the actress who was pretty, I can't remember which her name was, but she gave up this, you know, Hollywood career to go become a nun and, and, and a lot of people like that. Um, and I thought it was very interesting. That was one of my favorite parts of the book was all the details, learning about how they live, how they live in silence most of the day. Um, the idea of the parlor, I didn't realize that nuns could have I guess, a type of confessional similar to priests so that you could go in and talk to them and unburden all your problems. And while they can't absolve you, there's a lot of comfort in, you know, having just somebody listen to all of your troubles. And the author actually did that. She went to uh, have a parlor, which was not a word I was familiar with. I mean, I knew parlor, but not in this way. So all of those details I thought were so, so interesting. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what I, I th you know, I always think of nuns either as people who are, are somehow 
um, you know, have a very strong faith, a strong belief, or people who want to leave the world. Um, and I know at one point in the story, Teresa, when she came back to uh, go to the funeral, she was she was mentioning how she was so used to all the silence that it, it really threw her to be out in the world and have to deal with taxi cabs and, you know, checking into hotels and all different kinds of things because she really didn't have to do those kind of things. She had left the, you know, the, the uh, tensions of the world behind and she was in this, this place of peace. So I can see for some people that it would be very comforting to, to be in that kind of environment. Um, you know, my assumption is you're there because you're religious, but maybe people are not always there because they're religious. Maybe they're there because they need that kind of kind of peace. Yeah, uh, to answer Michelle's question, I, I think it is possible to grow to to love somebody over time. I'm not sure I believe that Nora could have done it. And to answer your question, Bob, I think the reason that Nora was angry was because Nora was just angry. She was just an angry person, and that. Uh, uh, the, the the one nice thing I think that they mentioned about her in the book was that one story that Brian told about, you know, getting up and listening to what well, the schools were going to be closed during bad weather. The rest of it, she seemed pretty uh, piss poor to me. Um, I just wanted to speak a little bit to the nun situation. Um, little known fact, and I don't talk about it often anymore, but for a while I was in the convent for about a year and a half. There's a difference between a cloistered order and an active order. And cloisters are, are basic. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Mine was an active order. Um, I was definitely not a cloister type. And cloisters are, are definitely fewer now than they used to be. But it is true that with active orders, um, we had to be a minimum of 30 years old. And they do psychological testing, and they ha- you have to go through a lot of um, visits. And, I mean, it's not just you can't just show up and say, I want to stay. There's a real process to go through, through it. And it usually takes, for most people, at least a year or more. Um, so I think that a cloister is a different selection. And, again, we're looking at the early 60s when a lot of, not, a lot of women girls were entering the convent right out of high school or even while they were still in high school. I lived with a woman who entered when she was like 14. Um, and so when you're in an active order, you're going to meet the older sisters. Yes, some of them are just really angry and you wonder what happened to them and um, they they really don't want women who are running away from something. Um, uh, that's just a little information there. <laughs> I'm going to yield to Randy uh, in a moment. Uh, yeah, you're expressing it well, Liz. Uh, the cloister is one thing, absolutely. Uh, you described it well. Uh, let me hang up on this phone. Sorry, I don't want any. Um, but the, the cloister, there are fewer of, of them. My um, my cousin who just passed away was in for 50 years. It was an active order. And at first, nuns could not travel. They had to travel in couples. If you invited her to a party, it was two of them. Later, um, one. I mean, each each order is has its own rules. And and with ecumenicism, I don't mean to give a whole thing on the Catholic Church, but with ecumenicism, it became wider. I think the thing that affected me was that um, that Teresa or Sister Cecilia and Sister Mother Placid that uh, said when they dealt, they told the girls to get birth control. 
Absolutely, they said men, you know, make these rules and they 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 don't live with them like women. And the second thing that was very powerful and very true, the church is made of men who do. Let's assume they do their best. Let's assume they do their best. But uh, the the ultimate judge is God. That's what that's what they believe. So when you say I I hate God because the priest was lousy, well, he's a human being and he's going to make some mistakes. Anyway, Randy, I'm going to yield to you. Well, Bob, Randy's gone. I don't know if she got kicked out of the room or what, but she hasn't been on here for a while. Um, she was obviously here when we started, but I haven't seen her since the last time. You, I mean, even when you mentioned her last time, she was already gone, too. So hopefully she can come back in. Um, maybe she hated the book as much as you and Alan. <laughs> um, I was going to ask if you guys thought Patrick might have been a better person had he known the truth from the start. I don't think that's something they would have done back then, and maybe he would have found out at some point in his life, but I wonder if that would have made a difference. Um, maybe Teresa could have had some influence on him, because Nora, as strict and as kind of mean and angry as she was, she really didn't do much discipline with Patrick. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess my upbringing was just a lot different than this, and I realize my upbringing may have, may have ended up being the exception. But uh, I, I, I'm just not a big fan of secrets and lies, and, and th- this family just thrived on it. I mean, that, that, that's what they were about. So it, it's just foreign to me, and uh, uh, I, I, I tend to believe you're better off knowing stuff. But, hey, uh, apparently other folks don't think like that. I, I don't know at this time that it would have been something that was brought up. Um, you know, maybe if we went into the future, but I, I think it would be kind of confusing, to be honest, to, to find out that your mother, that, that your real mother is your aunt, and your mother, your person you're calling your mother is really your aunt. I, I don't know. I mean, may, I guess it depends on at what point in his life he found that out, but I think if he found it out as a teenager, let's say, I could see that being pretty confusing because you have to remember at this time, what was this, the 60s or something? It's not like today where you turn on the television and like, you know, every kind of condition in the world is is, is spoken about. It was a really, really different time. I mean, women didn't have access to birth control and, you know, I mean, it was a different time. Um, I thought, you know, there were four children in this family. I come from a family of four children and all of us are really pretty different from each other. So it struck very realistic to me that you would grow up in a family with the same parents in the same house, but that all the children could turn out to be kind of different from each other. It didn't seem surprising to me at all. I mean, to me, when I hear about families where everybody is like the same that comes from three children or four children, that seems more surprising to me. Um, and, I mean, Bridget was, was a lovely character, very, very easy to uh, to like, and, and you could feel real empathy for her, for her situation, the fact that she was in her 40s and she still didn't feel comfortable to, you know, tell her parents that, that, that this was her, uh, her, her fiancé, her girlfriend, or whatever. Finally, at the end, she was holding hands with her in front of her family. Um, and John... You know, he was like a, you know, go-getter kind of a character. He didn't annoy me, I guess, as much as other people because a lot of people are go-getters and they want to, you know, build a a career for themselves. I thought his marriage was kind of interesting. I thought it was really interesting that they adopted a Chinese child 
and, and named her Maeve, which was an Irish name, and um, and that you know they didn't they didn't do I guess what a lot of parents do today, which is try to bring in the cultural elements from where the child is was from. So I thought that I thought it was interesting that Patrick was you know, I guess what they call informal adoption, like within the family, and then Maeve was, was actually adopted. I thought it was interesting to see those those sort of contrasting ways of adopting. And I thought the relationships were interesting. I mean, you can compare John and Julia with uh, Bridget and, oh, I can't remember her name, um, Natalie. And then I guess you could say there was a relationship between Teresa and Walter, although not really and uh, Nora and Charlie. And, you know, the moment in the story that I loved Nora was when she finally went to Walter and she confronted him and she said to him, you know, you have responsibilities here and someday I'm going to come to you and I'm going to ask you for help and you're going to help me. And she did follow through. She went to him and she asked him for money for the down payment and he did help. Um, And I, I was sort of applauding her because I thought, you know, she's really... She's being a little assertive, and she's she's sort of you know trying to help her family, and she's confronting the man who took advantage of her sister. So you know, in all in all in all respects, I thought that was that was a very good thing that she did. Yes, I, I was uh, I was actually going to say about Walter that was a bit one of the bits I enjoyed because I was wondering all along how are they going to get the money to move, um, you know to. And so quickly, because they had to move, obviously when Patrick had had the fight, they had to move very quickly. And quite the way through the book, I was thinking, how on earth did they manage that? And um, so that did tie in quite nicely. He was a despicable character, Walter. Um, You know, the the way he took advantage of Teresa, only being so young and naive, really. Um, And uh, I really really thought he was a horrible character. And about Patrick as well, I... if he'd have known, I don't know when they would have told him, really. I mean, you know, to tell him so young, but to, to find out later on in life, I suppose it must be quite hard, because you'd, you'd think that your family had lied to you all that time. And it wouldn't be nice to find out, you know, that, that well, certain other people in the family knew and you didn't. It would be it would be pretty horrible. Um, but I, I like that. I like that. Um, I like the bit about Walter. That was good. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought that was kind of curious, though, that uh, Nora finally said something to Walter, but uh, it seemed to me that Teresa was the one that kind of got the, uh, uh, the, the bore the brunt of all that, and it, it didn't really help her all that much. But uh, uh, And then your point about uh, it being difficult to find out a, a, about a secret that's been lied about for years, so yeah, yeah, it would be difficult. That, that, that's why you got to tell your, your, your kids early on in the process, you know, I mean... Uh, uh, you, you know, it, it, it's best not to, to, in my opinion, not to, to to have these lies and stuff, and and then keep them, and 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 revolve your life around them all these years. Yeah, because it does make things difficult later down the road. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I thought the book just did a didn't do a very great job. Uh, I mean, we really don't know why Patrick. Or if Patrick deliberately ran his car into something at the end down there. I mean, they, they kept talking about you know him blinding that guy, but they didn't really give us a whole lot of details about what had actually happened. And we really didn't really get to see much of him. Uh, we got to hear a lot about him after he was dead from the other family members. So uh, I, th- I thought that was uh, 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 a little curious. 
Yeah, I have, I'd have to agree with Alan. I think it's best not to have secrets. And if you have this kind of situation, you tell your child right from the start what the family relationships are in a way they can understand. But I'd have to hesitate, like in the 1960s, he would have been labeled a bastard, and, and people did call people that back then. And that might have made a difference in his life back then. Certainly now, I would never advocate not telling the kid, but maybe in the 60s I could cut him some slack. I didn't think Patrick committed suicide. I thought he was just a drunk, and he had a drunk driving accident. He did do something nice. He didn't. Um, he made it so John didn't get into the school he wanted, but he did it for good reasons because he knew one of the priests was a pedophile. So that was kind of decent of him. So maybe, you know, I should cut him some slack. Um, did you guys like the end? Because I thought, I kind of like endings where you kind of see where it's going, but they don't totally tie it up nice and neat. And you could kind of see where this one was going. Um, I actually, I like the end only because I thought there was so much tension in the story between all different people that I liked at the end that finally there wasn't some tension <laughs> that the two sisters seem to be having some kind of a reconciliation. I thought it was like enough already because you had tension between various siblings. You had tensions between the sisters. You had tension, I think, to a certain extent between Nora and Charlie for many years in their marriage. So I thought, you know, it's nice finally that there might not be so much tension between everybody. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's very realistic to have secrets in families. I, I, I just do. I don't think that every family reveals everything all the time. I think that there are a lot of things um, that maybe everybody in the family doesn't need to know. And in this case, at this particular time period, maybe if this happened, you know, today, it would be a more open adoption um, or, or more likely Teresa would have kept Patrick and, and there would have been no adoption. But certainly there are a lot of situations within families where people sort of informally adopt their relative's children um, when that relative is, is having difficulties or can't take care of the child. So in that sense, you know, if it had been a more open, informal adoption, yes. But at that time... I mean, look what they were doing to all the girls that got pregnant. They were just snatching the babies away from them, giving them no opportunity, basically saying, you know, give birth and we're going to take your child and give it to this, this nice Catholic family. So I don't see how you could go so quickly from that environment to being so open in the 60s about this kind of adoption. I, and I, I don't even know in all cases that it's so wonderful to reveal everything all the time. Sometimes things need to be a little bit, I don't know. Not I, I. I. I can think of examples that are not relevant here, but I don't think everybody always needs to know everything. Um, one of the other things that I liked very much in the story was the relationship between when Teresa uh, got in touch with the woman that she met on the boat, and then she went to Queens, New York City, and she got a job teaching, and she was living on her own in in the uh, studio, and she became friends with Kathy. And Kathy sort of introduced her to the whole world of, of the uh, convents. And I, I was wondering, because I couldn't figure out why, supposedly Kathy was going out with Arthur, and all of a sudden Kathy decides that she wants to be a nun. And I just couldn't remember where in the story they mentioned why she was doing this. And I wondered if anybody <laughs> remembered that as well. 
I remember it, but I don't think they really explained it. And uh, and as far as the ending goes, I did not find the ending believable because I really don't believe somebody could act all their lives as Nora did and then change like that at the very end to make it wrap up in a nice, neat bow. But uh, uh, y'all know how I feel about the book, so that shouldn't surprise you. Okay, guys, sorry. I was on with Kent's wife, and there's I can't go over everything here. But anyway, Patrick. Patrick knew the truth a little bit. Remember when he told one of the family members, Mom's got secrets too. Remember, he hinted that that he knew something. Something was up, and he looked different than Charlie. You know, and he looked like Walter. You know, and kids aren't dumb. Uh, and uh, and so forth. Um, so that that was one thing, and I I don't know where we're going with the rest of it, but I, I believe he knew a little bit. And yes, when he turned twenty five or twenty one, he should have been told who his mother was. Absolutely, uh, my son is adopted, and we talk about it a bit. And I said, anytime you want to know if I can help you find them, because the records are private, but there are groups that can open this these records up, you know. And I said, I'll help you in every way. And he says, No, I'm happy with the mom and dad I got. But that we, you know, he's forty-five, fifty, you know, and Patrick was might have tempered himself down a little bit, maybe, you know. I don't know what, how, if it would have changed him. I don't say tell him at ten or eight or whatever. But when he's a twenty-one or two, he should have been told the truth. But Nora is so nasty, and she wasn't a good mother. She was rude to many of the kids, and even Bridget and John said, "Oh my God, Brian, she really baby Jew because she would have just hit us. She, she, she was really mean." And Patrick got everything. Anyway, that's my story. Um, yeah. I kind of liked the ending, and I understood it. I didn't get the impression that there was going to be this, you know, fly into each other's arms and everything forgiven. But I think that sometimes an unexpected death, combined with the fact that both Nora and Teresa were older, um, sometimes people kind of want to get that that uh, resentment out of the way, you know, before they pass on. And I think that sometimes uh, an unexpected tragic death can bring those kinds of, hey, you know, no one's guaranteed tomorrow, and if this is the major resentment that I have that I'd like to get rid of before I have to deal with my own mortality. So it seemed kind of believable to me, and, and I didn't really expect that there was going to be a big, a big, you know, everything's forgiven. Um... And in terms of open adoption, I think it all depends on case by case. You know, I, I've known many people who have had open adoptions, and it worked well for them. I think depending on who the birth parents are, if they're going to cause trouble, if they're going to, then no, I don't think it should be necessary. And I totally agree with Michelle that not every family secret needs to be told, because there's a few family secrets that I found out about uh that I wish that I hadn't known because it was told in a very un, un, un um, oh what's the word I'm thinking of um, kind of an unkind resentful way um, that we were told about one of my cousins and, and I kind of wish that I didn't know that information so um, I, I just it's it's not a it, it's not a the best possible standard, but you have to take case by case, and sometimes it's best to not tell these things. And did I miss something? I don't remember that Patrick was told. I didn't. Did he really know? I must have missed that part or dozed off or something. No, no, let me be clear. 
Nora did not sit him down in the book and say, this is it. But he told, was it Bridget or one of them? He says, mom, mom has secrets too. And then the chapter ended or, you know, what do you mean by that? And he didn't go further. And I'm, I'm guessing that he, that he must've figured something and he's not stupid. He knew that he didn't look like Charlie or Nora and, uh, you know, and so forth. The kids grow up and look, they want it to look like their parents and then, no, he, she never told him the truth. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. And yeah, they, it tied up the book, the forgiveness. Uh, let me just say this before I forget. Uh, we know a lady, a very nice woman. She and her sister had a fifty-year fight over a stove. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I don't think we ever did find out um, why why Kathy went to uh, be a nun because she seemed to. She seemed to be quite happy um, as she was. I don't think we ever found out that. But I do think that perhaps Teresa should have asked Nora if it was okay for her to come to the funeral because she had absented herself from Patrick's life for the whole 40 years. Um, I mean, um, she could have stayed around, watched him grow up, and maybe if she had done that, they might have told Patrick if she'd have been an auntie and been there. Um, But she had deliberately never seen Patrick um, really uh, only only that time once when he was a child but she had deliberately not seen him for all those 40 years not had anything to do with his life whatsoever um, and I do think that perhaps she should have asked Nora if it was okay for her to come to the funeral and to meet everybody um, and as for the ending I, I was quite pleased that they, um, as sisters, they got together and forgave each other. But I think it was Sherry said she liked an ending that that sort of hinted at what was what to come. Whereas I like to have it. You know, I feel I feel I've read the book all this way, and it seemed to me that that should have been the beginning of the end, and it just stopped. I, I wanted to see the other children's reaction to the ante and the secret and. Um, I wanted I wanted a bit more. It seemed to me to stop before it finished. But um, you know, as Sherry said, she she likes an ending like that. So perhaps it's just me. But when I, when I've read all the reactions all the way along, I want to see what they all think and how they all act at the end of it. I felt a bit cheated. Well, first I absolutely agree with Liz. I've unfortunately been told a number of secrets about various members of my family that I wish I had not been told because I do think that you know sometimes people tell you things um, and for whatever their motivations are sometimes they're they're just because they want to you know share the secret that they know but they don't want to just deal with it all themselves and they want to talk about it with somebody else but sometimes you know things about family members that really not not so wonderful to to know um and and i think shell is right actually i mean i think i think the relationship between the two um the sisters i think you're right about teresa she did absent herself away from the family for a really really long time but i think it was such a shock when he died i mean he was only like 50 years old and i guess she just wanted to be there um so and and I guess she she the only way she would have found out is that Nora I guess I don't remember but she must have called her because how else would she know you know what what actually happened um so I guess when she got the phone call she assumed that it was okay for her to go there um because you know I guess they wanted to tell her and I guess she just assumed that she you know she should be there 
um, so so that's why she went. Um, and the other thing was with with Patrick was I mean he was the oldest, and um, the thing I kept thinking about during this the book is I'm not super familiar with Boston, but I know that this book was set in Dorchester, which I think is not a great area of Boston. And I kept thinking about the actor Mark Wahlberg who had a very uh, checkered past when he was younger. He attacked several Vietnamese people. I think one of them, they said he blinded him, but it, as it turned out, he, did, he didn't blind him, but he seriously injured him in some way. And I think that, that some of that was the neighborhood that, they, that he grew up in and the environment that he was, he was put into. Um, and I think that was a little bit, perhaps influence why Patrick went down the path that he did and maybe why his brother John was so driven to, to make something of himself and, and, and get out of that neighborhood. So I, I actually looked up the biography of Mark Wahlberg because I kept thinking about him and I kept going, isn't this the same neighborhood? And didn't he have like a sort of similar story to Patrick? So, Okay, I didn't want to forget. That was interesting, though, uh, Michelle. The funeral. Number one, as I recall, Nora did call to do her duty. You know, Patrick died. And it, no, I, she wouldn't call back saying, can I come to the funeral? Because Nora said, I would have said no in the middle of the book. Uh, Sister Elma called and said, she's going to be there at 3 o'clock. You know, that's it. So she didn't know. I don't think Sister Cecilia wanted to ask Nora, can I come? Can I come? Because no. she, but Nora said in the book somewhere, I would have told her, no, I'm very sorry she's even coming. And uh, that that's one story. Ruthann, you want to say no, something? That was, uh, I was just going to say Get closer. You're way back there. You've got to be heard. No, I, I think there was one place in the book where, they, where she said that she didn't, uh, that Nora figured she wouldn't come, and but she did, you know. And, and, but I, I, I don't want to say too much because I... I did hear, you know, some of this. I'm going to read the whole book, but uh, that's which is why I'm listening. And I want to make one more thing clear. Kathy didn't just jump into the cloister. She she taught school, went on re- the retreat, um, and, and later she was a little quicker. Teresa took another year or so to do her vows, and you become a novitiate. Liz can check me on this. And then later you take your final vows, and even then, though, you can leave the convict. You, like she talked about Sister Anne, who, after being in the convent 20 years, walked out the front gate and said, I'm out of here. You know, so I don't want you to think that, you know, like one guy in the store said, the church is brainwashing you novitiates. You know, they're brainwashing you, making you join the convent. And I, I learned that it was anything but when they had the parlor. They said, no, we're, we're not here to force you to do anything. You come to whatever you want to do. We don't judge you. And uh, Michelle is, is definitely right. Priests absolve in the Catholic Church sin, but but the, the but it was almost a confession, and the nun said that. Uh, Sister Cecilia said, "I can't forgive your sins, but I can sure listen and and help you." I thought the parlor thing was great. I didn't know about that uh, at all that that happened. Uh, I, I don't want y'all to think that I think every secret in a family ought to be revealed. I think this secret was one that was unnecessarily. Uh, kept in this book, especially considering the fact, as Bob mentioned, people were talking about Patrick being a bastard anyway. So I, I'm not really sure it benefited anybody, uh, aside from uh, estranging the sisters and stuff, uh, to, to, to keep the secret. But I realize that's what the whole book's based on, and that's why they uh, they chose to, to 
to, to do it that way. Uh, I did like the uh, the the one nun that kind of was uh, kind of mentored uh, Teresa uh, at the convict. Maybe her name was Mary Joseph. I may be getting the the names of the nuns from Sister Act confused, but uh, it was something like that. I did like her, uh, but she didn't get a whole lot of airtime. But I, I did like her. I think uh, my impression was that um, I I think that Nora had to tell that Patrick had died, obviously, but I think that Nora thought that she wouldn't be allowed to come to the funeral. Um, I th- I think Nora thought that um, because th- they weren't allowed out f- for anything, really. And uh, my impression was that Nora thought she was quite safe telling telling her that Patrick had died because she wouldn't have been allowed to come. And I think she was quite shocked when Teresa got um, permission to to leave the convent and come um, and there was one other bit I wanted to say that I liked was when they went back to Ireland and they went back to their old house and um, you know it was very run down a lot of it was like they just walked out and left it and I, th- I thought that was quite interesting um, and it was interesting to hear uh, you know how the, the different farms and the land had changed when they went back there well, I'd have to second what Alan said. I wasn't advocating that every secret always be told, but I think most of the time it's best to do it, but certainly do it in a kind way and do it when the kid's young enough. Don't drop it on him when he's, you know, 15 and he's going to feel like you've lied to him all his life. But in any case, um, the other secret, I mean, not only did no one know about Patrick, but Nora didn't even tell anybody she had a sister. And I think the family was really shocked when they found that out, that she had kept that secret. And when Patrick said, Mom has secrets too, that's what I thought he was alluding to, is that Mom has a sister, or Mom has somebody she's close to. And one other thing I want to mention quickly is I thought this book did a nice job of balancing um, the attitude about the Catholic Church. A lot of books, all the nuns and priests are bad guys, or they're all good guys. This had some of each, and I think that's probably realistic. I know it's realistic. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Sherry. This book was, I think, really pretty well balanced in terms of being realistic. Um, you know, I may be misremembering, but it seemed like when Nora got the call, she was herself fairly conflicted about whether or not she should go, and it was um, Mother Placid, Kathy, who kind of convinced her that she should go. So, you know, you, you know, you, you have to wonder if when Nora called maybe there was part of her that hoped she would come I don't know but it, it does seem like Nora were, I mean um, Teresa was herself conflicted and that Kathy was the one that convinced her that she should go am I right on that? You're right Mother Placid convinced her to go you're right uh, but I still contend that Nora would have said no and by her actions she didn't want her there you know uh, and so forth but yeah Mother Placid said you've got to go and, and stay you know live in a good hotel you know, stay a few days, sleep in a little bit, and get to know these people. And even the last phone call where um, Sister Cecilia called Mother Placid at whatever, 2 in the morning, I don't know when. No, they're eating dinner. Yeah. And she said, you know, try one more time. Try to find forgiveness. And she said, but Sister, I'm angry too. And she says, you got, you got to deal with that. I thought Mother Placid was great, Kathy. I thought she grew into, she should have been the um, Mother Superior, the Abbess, whatever it is. Uh, usually we think, but and mother is for the Abbey. I've never heard nuns called mother, just sister. But you know, every cloister is different, 
and so there you go. Um, yeah, I think I took care of the funeral, the Kathy. Okay, that's all I have. Well, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I cannot figure out at what point they would have told Patrick that his mother was really his aunt, and his aunt who he never met was really his mother. It just, I mean, you know, you could tell him, I guess, when he's 25 or 30 or something like that if you want to, but certainly not when he was a young person. I mean, it, it's just too confusing. I think it's one thing to tell, like, for example, in this book, Maeve, she was from China. So, I mean, I'm sure it would be very obvious to everybody looking at her and looking at the parents, they don't look the same. So even if she didn't ask, eventually it would come up that she was adopted. But with Patrick, I just couldn't figure out. It reminds me of the book that we read last fall, This Is How It Always Is by Laurie Frankel. And they had the secret where the son, uh, where the, I'm sorry, where the son was, was, transitioning into a, a girl and the family kept it a secret and should they have told at the school and should they have told the community and when was really the, the right time to, to reveal it and this reminded me of that kind of a secret because it wasn't an adoption from outside of the family, it was adoption from inside the family and this was not a relative that they even knew and I don't know, to me if you told a 15 year old boy or something this I think it could make him even a little more mixed up so Maybe if they waited till he was an adult and, you know, really married and whatever. But as a young person, I, I don't know. And I don't even know if you'd want to tell the siblings. So I, I understand that, you know, a lot of people believe in openness and, and whatever. But I don't know what the benefit would have been in this case. Um, so that that's just my opinion. Um, and, and you're not beating a dead horse. There's no perfect time. I would have, I would have felt that Patrick had a right to know when he was a man. That's my opinion, okay? That that he had a right to know that that Teresa was his mother. Okay? And that that, that not at ten, not you'll mix him up, but at twenty five, he might drink more. I don't know. But uh, it's very hard to keep a secret. You know, it, it really is. And Nora did it by being mean, by by, you know, not even and, oh, I know what I wanted to say. When they went to Ireland, they met a girl who said, how's Teresa? She ran up and said, how's Teresa doing? And they ignored it. They said, you're right. They, they didn't even mention her. She's out of the family, you know. And I, I think uh, Patrick had a right to know. That's where I'm at. If, if, if you don't, that's, I respect that. Well, I don't think you, uh, at that point in time, I don't know what was best. But nowadays... People are going to find out because of DNA stuff. People are always doing these ancestor searches and stuff. So if you don't tell your kid at a really young age, at some point he's going to find out and he's going to really resent you for keeping it a secret. And there are ways to tell really young kids from an early age, you know, I'm your second mommy and this is your first mommy. Just, you know, there's age-appropriate stuff. There's whole books written on how to do that kind of stuff to let kids know from an early age and still maintain the feeling that they're loved and honored and stuff like that but you know as far as what's best for this family in the 1960s you know as it turns out patrick didn't find out so uh yeah but i'm gonna keep beating the dead horse because uh uh you know it, it sounded like you were saying michelle you don't understand why it's better to to, to be forthright and honest when you can keep a secret and uh because you don't think he's going to be 
uh, uh, benefit from it when they can keep it a secret. But uh, I, I, I just don't see that. Uh, and well, I, I'm, I'm with Sherry. I think there's there's a way it could have been done. And I don't care what the time period was. Maybe it was harder back then. But uh, it, it sounds almost like we're saying it's better to uh, you know to be honest because you're going to be, be found out anyway. But uh, I, I'm not really sure that's the right play with it. But uh, uh, that's what y'all said about. The, that's what you said about the Chinese family. You know, well, she was Chinese. She was going to know. So you might as well be honest in that case. But there's really no reason to be honest in other situations. Uh, I, I, I just have to strongly disagree. I only want to say I'm probably extra sensitive. But when Tommy was very was was rather young, we I, I sat him we sat him down, and uh, I won't get into my whole story here but ruth ann was wonderful and, and i'm so glad she was his mother and everything we sat him down and explained it and we said but we chose you you know we love you and he was he he, he i'd rather he be told that way and especially sherry's right with the internet that some doggone kid <laughs> wanting to get even yells at him he's adopted and he would really resent me go ahead but i think that it would have been different if, for example, that he had been Patty's son, and uh, you were, you know, taking him in, at, like happened in the story. Oh no, I wouldn't. No, that's you right. It is different that. because he's not. He wasn't my sister's son, and all that. It was, but I we wanted to be honest with him. We and we never called him our adopted son. He's my son. I give my life for him. Um, I think it's. Okay, I'm, I'm trying losing connection with the chat room, and it's happened this time and also last Sunday, and it's never happened to me before. So I was just wondering if anybody else has ever gone through periods where they just keep losing connection, um, and if so, what they do. But back to the book, um, I am not sure that Nora, because I, absolutely I agree that when children are adopted, they need to know that, even for no other reason but for medical reason, medical history. But there's a way to do that, and you have to really convey that your your birth parents loved you, and for whatever reason they couldn't take care of you, and they loved you enough to want you to have a better life. And, that, and, and we love you, and we chose you. I'm not sure that Nora could have conveyed that because she had such a deep resentment for her sister. I don't know that she could have had if she could have told Patrick in a way that um, that he would have still felt loved and valued, because I think she was so resentful that that you know I gave up everything to take care of you, which isn't gonna it's not the same as saying I love you, um, you know. And your mother was selfish and whatever. <laughs> I just don't know that Nora could have conveyed that in a way that Patrick would have found it helpful. Yes, I mean, I think these days it's so it is a lot easier. Um, you know, it's been mentioned, there's lots and lots of books on it. You can go to the internet, there's DNA, all this kind of stuff. But, you know, you've got to think of the time period of this. And they were, you know, the the Catholicness was very strong and the Irishness. And it was the whole shame. I mean, now there's no shame in being adopted. Um, you know, you're, you're adopted and your family say that they love you. And it, it's, it, you know, it, it makes sense. And you can make it make sense to the child. But... To have to tell a child that they were adopted and that is something to be completely ashamed of and um you know you'll be ridiculed it was and and there was i can't imagine there would have been any help um for parents uh, you know counseling or anything to decide on, on when they should tell a child there wouldn't have been any help for nora as much as i didn't like her and um you know i, I really think it's a different time you know 
it wouldn't have been a case of just saying, oh, well, you're adopted and, and we love you. You know, it would have, they'd have had to have explained to him that he mustn't tell anybody that it was a shameful thing and all the complications that it had split the family up. Um, you know, it's it sort of his fault that the family had fallen apart, the sisters didn't speak. I mean, it, he would have got to know all that. And so you can see as it would go on and on and on when he got... You know, when you do keep a secret, as Alan said, once you get up to that secret's been kept for 25 years, it becomes increasingly harder then for it all to come out. It's much easier day to day to to not say anything. Well, well, I, mean, I realize at the end of the day, the reason the secret was was kept alive and it was what it was was because Nora, 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 Nora was just, you know. She had a lot of shortcomings and stuff. So, uh, you know, whether something would have worked or not, you know, you, you got to have the right person that's in the middle of it all. And she wasn't the right person. She just, uh, uh, hey, I, hey, I just didn't like her. I'm sure y'all been able to tell that. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Um, Nora would not have been able to carry this off very well at all. And Liz, as far as getting kicked out of the room, that happened to me for a while. And once this is all done and we're out of here, just download the Talking Communities thing again. That's what I did. You don't have to delete the old one. Just download it again. And that seemed to take care of the problem for me in future meetings. Uh, Oh, boy. What was I going to say that was so great? Patrick's secret no i've already done that um okay it'll come back to me maybe i don't know i know we're nearing the end of this yeah michelle do you want to talk about the next book yes i do um i'm just gonna mention one thing i don't want people to think that i think that it's a bad idea to reveal secrets um i do not feel that at all i just feel like this was a unique situation because the the two women were sisters and I think that Shell explained it really, really well about the idea of shame. Um, because I can remember, you know, I was a teenager in the 1970s, and all the things that people felt shameful at that time about that people are so incredibly open and honest about now. Um, I can, I mean, I'm not going to reveal them all, but I can think of many, many, many things that people had tremendous shame for. So it would have been more shame in the 60s. And yes, nowadays, I think you could have one sister that gets pregnant accidentally and wants the other sister to take care of her child, and there could be an openness about it, and everybody could know everything. But I don't think at that time, I just don't think that that it was possible at all. I I really don't. And I think we can't really put today's ideas back at at that period of time. So, no, I I think it would have mixed him up tremendously. Um, And maybe at some point when he was 25 or 30, possibly, you know, they could have taken a trip to visit Teresa and introduce them and and whatever, but certainly not when he was a young man. Um, I I just don't don't think it was possible at that that time at all. Um, And the, the other thing, I mean, I know tons of people who were adopted. My grandfather was adopted my two bridesmaids at my wedding were both adopted. And there's all different kinds of stories. Some people want to know their background. Some people don't want to know their background. There's, of course, the medical considerations and things like that. But this was a very unique time and a very unique circumstance. Um, so the book that we're going to read, it's, it's very early in the month. It's Friday, June 1st. So it's the very first day in June, very first Friday. I have a feeling it's going to sneak up on people um, it's called An Excess Male. 
and the author is Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E. Middle name is Shen, S-H-E-N. Last name is King, K-I-N-G. And the DB number is 89823. Now, this book is listed as science fiction, but I would not describe this book as science fiction. It takes place in the very, very near, near, near future, like just a couple of years from now, and it takes place in China. And what it is, it's, it's a story of, of the, the consequences of the um, one-child-per-family uh, law that they had in place for, until I understand, 2015, they finally allowed uh, families to have two children. And the fact that, that millions and millions of families wanted male children, and um, that so there's all these excess males. And the idea is that in the future, that women are going to practice what they call polyandry, which is where a woman can have more than one husband because there's so many extra males and all, all of the, the political things that happen and the social things and the way that the government has very strict control over uh, reproduction and, and conception and birth control and all those things. So if you look at Bard, it's going to list it as science fiction, but I, I wouldn't call it science fiction because it's really it's, it's, it's something that's happening now and the story is set in the very near future. Um, it's really like a political social story, I think. I thought it was a very, very good book. Um, the author is a debut author. It's her first novel, um, and it's called An Excess Male. The author is Maggie Shen King, and it's 89823. And if I remember correctly, I think it's either 13 or 14 hours in length. I did put it up in the chat window. If anyone wants to hit F9, they can cut and paste it from there. 